Welcome to the Paul Series Podcast, where we dive deeper into the content from Sunday's message. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad that you've joined us for another week as we continue to work through the Paul series. So hopefully you're enjoying it and learning a lot alongside of us. And as we're getting started here, Drew, I want to just ask you, um, or I guess this is a fun fact edition. We do, we're always doing fun facts. Okay. Fun fact, Karshner edition is uh, you guys, you guys try to eat vegetarian at home. Is that right? My wife leads that charge. Um, yes, we. <laughs> Good clarification. I, yeah, I, I definitely uh, need to make that clarification because I'm I'm very horrible at it. So, um, but my wife, you know, she's she's a health guru, and so we eat meat. Um, but my wife would choose that I eat less meat than I do currently mm-hmm. um, because bacon is good for me. <laughs> And you talked, you talked on Sunday about, you know, breaking Old Testament laws. And it seems like with her choosing vegetarian, like that's a pretty good way to follow Old Testament law. Like you guys are kind of like, if you just don't eat any meat, then you have no danger of eating any unclean foods, unclean meats. So that's pretty good. It's I guess. very true. She read a book called What the Bible Says About Healthy Eating. Mm. Ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in my family, we're doing our best to break the Old Testament law as often as possible. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do, right? It's a guardian. Right? It was oh, a guardian. Oh, my goodness. Dinosaur barbecue. Oh, I'm not saying so we go good. there a lot, but I am saying when we do, it's a pleasure. If Scott Bixby would, was here, he would say Texas barbecue is better. That's true. And better. I don't know a person who eats more things with barbecue sauce on it than Scott Bixby. It's very true. I also don't know a person with a larger garden who eats zero vegetables. I, I don't, nor do I know an adult who eats less like an adult. Scott, we do love you. I don't know how this just became like a bash Scott session, <laughs> but it felt good there for a second. That's sinful. Okay, let's move on to uh, <laughs> speaking of that. Let's speak about obedience and heart change. I, I need some of that. Mm. Um, on, Drew, one of the things that I'm doing on Sundays, I'm listening uh, for things that I feel like I either have questions about or that I'm skeptical about as you're speaking. And you, you made some statements uh, similar to the fact that like Jesus doesn't care about the rules or, you know, that kind of thing. It's all about a relationship. It's not about the rules. And the skeptic in me wants to go, okay, yeah, but, and my pushback is things like, yeah, but doesn't Jesus say, if you love me, keep my commands. And the New Testament, even though we're no longer under the Old Testament law, the New Testament is full of commandments. Most of the Ten Commandments themselves are repeated in the New Testament. You know, it's not like there's no moral laws at all in the New Testament. So how is it that you can say something like he doesn't care about the rules uh, and it's just about a relationship? Like nuance that for me or make that make sense for me? Yeah, I think some of those statements are are just to get your attention to, like to get you to lean in, to understand the truth, because I think order is important when it comes to these things. You know, following the rules is not the first thing in the order. Your Mm. heart is, because God realizes that if he can first and foremost get your heart, following the rules and obeying him will be something that you desire and long to, not something that you have to. I think of, you go back to the series we just finished, Waiting for a Sign. We, we kind of said almost the same thing. We said, hey, it's not about making the right decision. You know, that's a behavior. That's following the rules, doing the right thing. But it's really about becoming the right person. That is your heart. And the more I get to know the Bible and the more I read the Bible, there's this central message in the Bible that's God wants your heart first and foremost, because 
the Bible says, your heart is the wellspring of life. Mm -hmm. Out of everything, guard your heart. Why? Because everything flows from it. And so God knows that he created us. And I think he understands that, man, the rules don't matter because I've got a person's heart. And because I have their heart, they'll be obedient to me. Not always. We make mistakes. But out of who they are, if I have their heart, obedience and the rules just come out of that one central place. So it's it's less about the fact that rules literally don't matter or that God doesn't care what we do. It's more about the fact that he recognizes in order for us to do the right things, we have to want the right things or believe the right things. Exactly. And God cares about the most important thing. And I think sometimes as Christians, we care more about the rules, which is least important when it comes, not least important, but what is less important than the actual heart. God cares, puts the priority in his desire after the right thing that will impact the most things. I've heard it said that we do what we do because we want what we want. And so God, of course, established it that way. And so he's changing what we want so that we'll change what we do. Exactly. Well said. Didn't know you had that in you. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't either. I guess I asked the question only to uh, have you inspire those thoughts. I mean, butterflies are flying around this place. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, next question. Um, You a few times have, I think, brought some very helpful context to me about... um, first century Judaism, or as the scholars would call it, second temple Judaism, which Mm. is the period of time uh, from the rebuilding of the temple after the, uh, after the Jews were taken away into exile, they rebuild the temple and that temple exists and is modified until it's destroyed in 70 AD. So that's second temple Judaism. That's the period that um, Paul and Jesus lived in. You've made some statements that were very helpful to make it seem less like they were the big bad guys. I think it's easy to grow up in church being like, oh, you know who was terrible? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're all horrible and they're the villains. And Paul's always an awful guy. I mean, Saul is always an awful guy, you know, whatever. Yep. You've you've given context to him and even to the Jews in general. Talk, talk to me about like, why should we not vilify these characters in the Bible? Yeah, I mean, I think some of their vilification is accurate. Like Jesus did a little bit of true, vilifying true. The, the Pharisees. He called them brood of vipers. So, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> there, is some, there is some truth to that. So, um, but, you know, I, I think it's easy, you know, we read the Bible in completion. And it's easy for us to judge people for acting the same way we do today. There's just mm. not a Bible written about how bad and stupid we are. You know, <laughs> oh, thank the Lord, ouch. right? You're right. I think <laughs> they call those history books. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And yeah. you look at the Jews and man, as you understand their culture and the way they lived, you you begin to identify with them somewhat. Hmm. I mean, the law was everything to them. It was essential to pleasing God. And you know, generation after generation was taught that. Hang on to the law. It's your guardian. It protects you. It's how you obey God. It shows how you have faith in God. Not even just, not even just they felt that. That's the truth. It's That's, that's, yes. that's, that's what God set up. <laughs> and then there's this radical guy who's trying to kill Christians, becomes a Christian and says, oh, by the way, you don't need the law. Wow. Like, I mean, so that's like some lunatic today coming and saying, hey, I said this Sunday, you don't need your Bible. Like if anybody said that in any church service, we would throw things at them. We would probably try to stone them, even though stoning (laughs) isn't a thing anymore. Like it would be that offensive. And I think we have to understand that is exactly what Paul did to the Jews. You know, we, we look at like someone took our Bible. That's what Paul was doing. Because remember, we, we don't understand... 
Paul is living out the New Testament. It wasn't written yet. And so all they have was the law, the Old Testament. Like, the only so, scriptures that exist are the thing he's saying you don't need to follow anymore. Exactly. So he's taking their whole Bible and saying, hey guys, you don't, you don't really need this anymore. And if we understand that in the culture, we begin to understand why they had such a hard time with it. Because if someone did that to us, we would do the exact same thing they did. Okay, so that's good. But something you just brought up another tension, I feel like, Drew, and that is you said Paul was basically saying you don't need that anymore. And when you're referencing that, you mean the entire Old Testament. So two thirds of my Bible, do I not need that anymore? If we don't, if they didn't need that, why do we still have it? Why are we, why is this thing getting bound in leather and handed out as a whole thing still today if we don't need the Old Testament anymore? Yeah, that's a really hard question to answer in a 20 minute podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to approach it very vaguely. And again, if you've got questions about this, man, just send us an email at podcast at northridgerochester.com and we will, we will get through the nitty gritty of this, but I think context, I think the old Testament gives us a, a huge context of the law and how people, you know, pleased God. The one thing a mistake I think many people make about the old Testament is they think, people were saved by the law. You know, if I by followed the law, yeah. yeah, works, being obedient to God is the way I, I am gained acceptance into the kingdom of God. And that's false. It was still faith back then. The evidence of their faith was their obedience to God. And again, it goes back to that, you know, that heart and that rules things is obedience always comes after my relationship with God. So why is the Old Testament needed? It gives us that context for that full understanding. What's amazing about the Old Testament and the New Testament is they're essential message is the same. Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus is coming. We need a Messiah. We have a Messiah. And so these Hmm. two things work hand in hand, ultimately, to lead us to the essential message of the Bible. And so both are still needed. One gives us context. One gives us our answer or our provider. And I think those two things play hand in hand in, in a short version answer to that question. So if I'm understanding you, you're saying salvation was the same, we're always saved by faith. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were saved by faith, and they expressed that by obeying the law of Moses. Yep. Today, we are saved by faith, but we obey the law of Christ. Exactly. And context is the... Uh, we're getting all of the backstory. Jesus makes the most sense if you start in Genesis 1.1. But there are people, and could be people, who don't understand the full context. No, In, in actuality, none of us understand the full context. None of us fully understands the entire Bible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are lots of people who, um, the, the better we understand the Old Testament, the more sense Jesus makes. In a weird illustration, I think of like the Lord of the Rings. You Ooh, know, I, bro, I, you're speaking I, my language. I love it. Come yes. On. I love the Lord of the Rings too. I'm like, I was so depressed when it all ended. I'm like, can we just do it again? Hold and on, make it hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you use this illustration, are you referencing the movies right now? I am. Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. You're thinking about the books. Oh, like, of course. When you said they ended, I was like, Tolkien died like a million years ago. <laughs> what do you mean they ended? Oh, okay. Well, why would you uh, waste your time reading a long book when you can just watch a beautiful movie, <laughs> man? Oh my goodness. I know I just lost half of our audience. Oh! But everybody who's with me is like, come on, Drew, preach it. Oh, so back okay, to my on. illustration. No, no, no. I just have to say, I need to tell you this, this story. I was not allowed to watch the movies of Lord of the Rings until I had read the books. What does that say about my family growing up? Um, one, I'm going to elevate you in my prayer list. <laughs> <laughs> Two, 
Um, I am sorry. That's a trauma that <laughs> Actually, you're going to have to address. Oh my goodness. Okay. okay so back Lord to Lord of the Rings. Back wow, to Lord of the Rings. Testament I think it's context. kind of a good illustration. Lord of the Rings started amazing series, but then the, the, the movies, they go okay. back to the Hobbit and you know, this is going to sound like heresy probably is heresy, but <laughs> you know, you get to the Lord of the Rings and you're like, okay, new Testament, like the beginning journey to the end, like Saruman the ring, you know, <laughs> oh, beautiful. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, go watch it by the way. It's biblical, right? Biblical. Yeah. Uh, sure. Anyway. <laughs> so, but then they go back to the Hobbit, kind of like the old Testament it gives you the context to mm. understand the full gamut of the story. And it's not the greatest example, but it's just, it's just a little bit to say how the old Testament plays with the new Testament. You, you can watch the Lord of the Rings or read the, the original trilogy and understand the story without the Hobbit. But man, does it make more sense if you know where the ring came from and who's this Gollum guy and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. 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 So back to, back to serious stuff from the Paul series. You, you spoke about the Acts 15 Jerusalem council on Sunday and mentioned that the, the big conclusion of the Jerusalem council, all the leaders of the early church movement, the conclusion they came to was, it is our judgment, therefore, that we should not make it hard for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And so you challenged us with that, that we shouldn't make it hard for people who are turning to God. And you give some big picture illustrations of that, but I was just wondering if you could give a few, what are some more kind of like practical illustrations of what it might look like for um, us to make it hard for people who are turning to God? Yeah, I the, the easy answer, first and foremost, is judgment. You know, the way we judge people. Um, I think Christians today... They want lost people to act, you know, they, they, they just can't wrap their minds. And I don't understand this, why someone who doesn't know Jesus would even come close to looking like Jesus. But sure. for some reason, we, we judge them in a manner that they should. Hmm. You know, we, we don't get, how could, a, how could someone do that? Well, can you, if you're a Christian listening, which a majority of our listeners are, can you imagine what your life would look like right now without Jesus living inside of you? Hmm. I mean, when I actually truly think about that question, like it scares me and the things yeah. that I would be involved in and the choices I would be making, if you remove God from the equation of my life, man, I'd probably be behind bars. Honestly, in reality, I, I could easily be in, in prison because I'm just that wretched of a person. And I, I, I think we judge people from the sake of everybody should view life through the lens of God. And you got to remove that to understand where people are. So judgment, number one, I think social media, I think social media can be a great tool, can also be a detrimental tool. Mm. And how you post on social media, you know, if all your posts are so polarizing or so strong that any lost person who comes to your Twitter feed or your Instagram photos and is like, wow, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus because if that's where he leads me or they're so polarizing that people can't even just get to Jesus because they're like, wow, is that what a Christian is? So I think how we use social media, I also think about theology. You know, we think that when, when a barrier to, to get to Jesus is, man, you got to have all the right theology. You got to believe all these things first before you get to Jesus. And, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that our church is full of people who have a relationship with Jesus, but actually believe things that actually like view things that aren't accurate theology. You know, I think of people who come to our church who maybe live with their significant other. And like, we know that's not a healthy way, but man, they know Jesus. And that's part of discipleship is getting to the place where you understand the truths of God's word and the theology of who God is. Yeah. We're not, we're not excited about where they are currently. Exactly. We're excited that they want to be learning and growing because we've all got blind spots. We've all got things we don't understand and we're thrilled 
that this is an environment where they could come to place their faith in Christ only to discover that they've got huge pockets of things that need to change. And like, just as a kind of like a quick hint, maybe it's a secret. That's what we're all here for. Yes. Some people just have more obvious growth curves than others. Yeah. It's well said. And, you know, I also think the mentality of Christians is, you know, when it comes to reaching the lost, it's you come to my church and you come to where I am and you look at Paul's life and he just was passionate about going to where lost people were. I mean, he was just a, 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 a just a passionate man who was like, I, I'm going to go after lost people. I'm going to, I'm going to chase them down. I'm not going to say, Hey, you come to my church and you come where I'm comfortable. I'm going to go where you're comfortable and I'm going to feel, feel uncomfortable. And I think many Christians today, we don't like to feel uncomfortable, right? We talked about this a little bit on Sunday, like being called by God for us means I'm going to be comfortable. Like Mm. I I want God to create a cushy, cozy life. And I think that's why we don't reach a lot of our neighbors, people in our community is because we want them to come where we're comfortable, where it feels good, where we are. And again, I think we don't understand how uncomfortable a lost person can feel coming to church. Hmm how judged they feel, whether we judge them or not, how judged they feel just based off perception of what they know. And, you know, many Christians, I'm so guilty of this, so I'm not judging anybody here. I'm I'm so guilty of saying, hey, oh yeah, come to my church and and come to me and I'll explain it all to you. And and Paul, man, he just went after people. And he was the one uncomfortable surrounded by lost people. Mm Mm-hmm. You talked about this on Sunday and it really challenged me just like questioning, are we passionate like Paul was? Paul was willing to give up his salvation for these people. So lean into that more because I know I need a little, I need a little more juice in this category of passion for people who are far from God. Yeah, I need a little more juice too, man. And it's so convicting. And, you know, sometimes when I was prepping this message, I was just so convicted because it's easy to become complacent. It's easy to view your life in, in, in the realm of here and now. And I think for Christians, we have to view eternity. I heard someone say, I forget who it was. If you view life in the lens of eternity, it will change the way you live today. And I think we need urgency that, man, everybody spends eternity somewhere. You know, Mm. everybody does. And there's only two options. And we don't like to talk about the two options. We only like to talk about the one good, happy option. But there is also another option that is called hell. And man, how dare us to hold the keys to heaven and not share them, you know, Mm. not be passionate about loving my neighbor. And, you know, at the core of what God has called us to do in the great commission is to tell people about Jesus. You know, if I love God, the great commandment, if I love God, I truly love God, I will love others. And, you know, we think loving others is, you know, taking care of them, providing for their needs, but we miss out on their greatest need. And that is a relationship with Jesus. And man, I am so guilty of that. And I I just wish that that fire that when I first got saved to tell everybody about the greatest news I had, I think it wanes. And it, it I just, I want to get back to that. That's a challenge for me and not just, and every believer of like the urgency of eternity. Drew, that's really challenging to me. Thanks for that reminder. And as you're saying all of that, I want to do it, but I have so many tensions. I mean, everything you said there with how I make it hard, how we make, how Christians make it hard to even the passion. I feel like every single, almost every statement you made creates a series of questions in my mind. Like, 
how, how do I have passion for people? How do I have urgency to help them? In other words, like, man, if I encounter someone and they don't know Jesus, I just want to like, I want to make that first priority that we're talking about. I just want to bring it up right away. Okay. That's good. But then how do I do that in a way that they're not going to feel judged or like with social media, how, how do I, how do I post things that I'm passionate about or that I believe like the same kind of urgency that I have for following Jesus while recognizing that some of the things that I believe about Jesus are bound to be offensive to people who don't yet follow him. And so it's maybe it looks like I'm being a jerk, but actually I'm just trying to like get the truth out there or like, I know that they don't agree with me, but that's the point of why I'm posting it is to challenge people's thoughts or how do I go where I'm uncomfortable? In other words, go where there are people who don't know Jesus yet and try to like live an example for them while simultaneously, and, and I'm sure they're going to feel super accepted because I'm there and I'm one of the cool guys or whatever. Well, Aaron, but you won't be one of the cool guys. So. Oh, okay. Good reminder. <laughs> but I'll go where I'm uncomfortable. How do I make sure that they feel accepted, but at the same time have that urgency? Like how, how do I show up in their space playing by their rules, trying to make them feel comfortable while at the same time having a breakneck urgency, recognizing that these are people who are ultimately would die without Jesus and spend eternity in hell separated from God. Like, how do I maintain urgency while also building camaraderie? It's grace and truth. Like all of what you said, it feels like it's just really hard. There's no doubt it's it's really hard. And, And this is a tension that I think every Christian will wrestle with for the rest of their life. I think wrestling with those tensions is a very healthy thing. Um, and what I love about Paul is he's a great example to follow. And, you know, I can't fully answer this question right now because week four of this series, this coming week, we're going to talk and answer a lot of those questions that people feel and wrestle with. Um, I think I would answer it really shortly and give you just a glimpse into next week. So this, hopefully this will make you hungry to come next week to invite your friends. But I think as Christians, we need to learn that we shouldn't offend people the truth should. And I'll mm. leave it at that. So I, my job is not to offend people. The truth of God's word is the only thing that should offend people. And we're going to talk about that and dive into that in a unique way in week four. So we, we hope you come and check it out. 